Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Mericatani along with Grant Turner. We are weighing in along with Mark Ostrander, brought to you by USA Wrestling, the national governing body for wrestling in the United States, and by Nike Wrestling. Go to athleteps.com for all of your Nike and USA Wrestling branded gear. GT doing GT things over the weekend on the road again at the Bill Farrell. Mark is on the train. He said to say happy Thanksgiving to everyone. GT, I hear strong, strong things that Bill Farrell needs to be in my bucket list. Is that is that a correct uh, piece of advice I'm getting? Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool experience um, being at the New York Athletic Club and being in that kind of like small gym, basically within like basically just like mat side, like almost like a like a kids wrestling tournament. But you're that much next to elite level athletes, uh, more so than like in an arena where you're like up here you can actually be like oh my gosh that's how big he is or like oh my gosh he's so fast or you know whatever it may be he literally like walks off the mat through like folding chairs and you can be like you know within like a half a foot of him yeah or her, or her. Yeah. No, yeah that's a good point too yeah a couple years ago i think it was 2017 you probably remember it when Nebraska held the world team trials, that's when Taylor and Jaden had that three match classic. And uh, I got a chance to coach in that, the finals of the junior part as with my dad and uh, we'd gotten really good seats. That's before I was with track, but I wasn't with USA wrestling then. And like, I was literally sitting next to Kyle Snyder while he was eating a sandwich. You know, like, right. after, like <laughs> And like, I, I tell people this and, to be full disclosure, I said this when we were at track, when it had nothing to do, and maybe it was an event that Flo was doing when they were separate. USA Wrestling events are cooler from a fan experience than the Nationals. Like, you and me are lucky at Nationals. Like, I have a floor pass. You have a floor pass. You know everybody. I know a lot of people. So, like, we can walk up and talk to, and I'm not going to say six names because I i don't want to delete 16 others. But we can talk to the people that everybody wants to talk about or talk to rather like when you go to like the u.s open in vegas you, you maybe you can't get on the floor floor but half the mats are up up top where you can literally be standing like right next to like i'll use brian smith as an example because i was there 10 days ago like where he's coaching kendrick maple as an example like you're right there and these tickets are also cheaper than ncas and hotels are cheaper than ncaas so, like, I mean, maybe hotels aren't cheaper in New York for Bill Farrell, but, like, most of these other events are amazing to be this close to them. So people should really – if you're a, a wrestling person and you follow the personal stories of these people, it's way easier to get autographs. It's way easier to get pictures. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah. it's. I mean, once again, for the casual fan, like, being able to, like, actually, like, rub elbows with guys. And, once again, we have a very unique sport where – yeah, it is possible for you to be like next to, you know, the all-time greats. And, you know, like Jordan Burroughs was in attendance and he was just walking around with his kids and, you know, like, you know, things like that where it's, oh yeah, like that's just one of the greatest wrestlers of, in U.S. history. Yeah. Just right there for you. Yeah. And, and I would say this too, a lot of these ladies and guys are very, very fan friendly. Like they're, they'll stop, they'll take pictures, they'll sign autographs. Um, they're not big timing people. And so what, what did you think of the wrestling? What stood out to you like a match or two or just a trend or anything like that? Um, you know, I thought, uh, uh, 
I think it's uh, Kent Chasday from Georgia who trains with like Valentin at the New York uh, RTC. Uh, his match with Alex Marinelli was really cool to watch. Also the match between, um, I want to say, I think it was the, uh, the athlete from Kyrgyzstan wrestled Nick Lee in the finals. And that was just like crazy, crazy wrestling there. There was just so much, so much great action. How, how big of a threat is Nick Lee to make the team? Because in the 2020 trials, which were 21, he beat Yanni. And he beat Yanni pretty badly, like beat him by like six or eight points. And he didn't just – I say just because it's a skill. But like if you're folk style uh, influenced, like if I take you – if I get a scramble and then I lace you four times – some people go, well, that doesn't mean he's better, you know, right? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like you got caught, right? Anybody can get caught. But if you take me down four times or five times, like, okay, you're probably better. You won five scrambles, not one scramble. Like Nick Lee's, Nick Lee's a real dude at 65 come 2024, right? Yeah, he's, I mean, and he's only getting better. Um, and he was already a, you know, a force to be reckoned with in, in the 2021 Olympic trials process where it was like, um, you know, he just looked really good, but now he's focused solely on that. And I know that Penn State does a great job with their international athletes. So it's, it'd be really cool to see like how this all comes together for him and what, what does, what does he have in store for all of us? Well, you mentioned Penn State, which is Nittany Lion, same thing. So I was talking to a friend of mine about this and, and you and me don't have any allegiance to anyone. I mean, you might have allegiance to a program that's a Nike program versus non Nike program. Cause you talk to them more, but like, I know you're friends with almost everybody. And I, I think I'm fairly friendly with almost everybody, but Penn state reasonably on the Olympic team could have Gilman at 57, Lee or Zane at 65, Dake at 74, uh, Taylor at 86, Snyder at 97. And I mean, Kirk fleet's going to be in the top five at heavyweight, but those other guys are all favorites pretty much. Yeah, like not not sixty five because Yanni's a, a returning medalist. But Gilman, like if the Olympic trials are next year, Gilman would be sitting in final X. Dake would be sitting in final X. Taylor would be sitting in final X, and Snyder would be sitting in final X. Like that's crazy, just absolutely yep. crazy that one RTC would would have literally four sixths of the team sitting in final X. I think that's yeah, the trials are at Penn State. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> right. Get your popcorn ready for that. Get, get your popcorn ready for all of that. Yeah. The trials are that's another thing. Like I I don't know. I'm sure they're probably close to sold out, but people should be getting tickets as soon as they can for that. That's a once in a lifetime experience. I've been blessed. In 2012, I got to be on the floor. In 2021 slash 20, I got to announce for two days. It's, um, I think when you're retired, you know, and you're not doing stuff anymore, but you're trying to be great in other aspects of your life, being around greatness and literally feeding off that energy is pretty awesome. So um, anyway, so Bill Farrell looked awesome. Uh, I want to say two people that stuck out to me were Sammy Jones, just, it feels like he's mentally freer. Like he, like he said, he's like, I'm just going to go hard the whole time. And a lot of Greco becomes very tactical at times. 
And, you know, like, okay, you and me are going to hand fight. Maybe I win, maybe I lose, but it's just going to see who can lift or gut the other guy. And it feels like he's not going to settle for that. Now, he might lose. The reason why that strategy is is in place is because a lot of times people's defense and counterattacks are so good. Um, but it feels like he's wrestling freer, and he's a, he's a high-ceiling guy. If he gets to his holds, he's very explosive. And then Braden Thompson continues to impress me as a high school kid. Um, Blackport, Illinois, Oklahoma State uh, commit, you can say now because he signed. Those two guys stuck out to me. I don't, I don't know if you agree that those guys were pretty impressive or what you thought about them. Oh, yeah. I mean, once again, like the brackets were so small, so you got to see like extremely like very anticipated matchups. And then also guys that like, you know, like Braden Thompson, who's a young, young athlete that shelled out and looked really good. And you have, you know, journeyman guys that have been around and doing it for a long time. And then, of course, there was a great foreign wrestling federation contingency there. So it wasn't just like all Americans versus just all American teams. Right. So it was like, yeah, there were some really, really good, diverse looks and then potential matchups that ended up, you know, surprising some people, I think. But I think it's for, you know, especially within the Greco world. You know, there were some great matchups between like Jesse Porter and Britton Holmes. Um, you know, Sammy Jones looked really good. Um, you know, just, I mean, I mean, I could go up and down the entire bracket and just be yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's great, right? Um, yeah. So well, you've been around a lot of great Greco lately because you're in Baku for the World Cup. So it's like, um, it's interesting because like I was telling somebody that watches the pod and I was like, originally the plan was we'd have Grant help us in the summer months and Mark help us in the winter months, but both people's knowledge are bleeding over into the other subjects. I clearly, you know, folk style. I think Mark, just by being around you and to a lesser extent, me is, is trying to raise his IQ and Greco and freestyle and has done a really good job, you know, but it's, again, it's when you try to surround yourself with really smart people, hopefully the whole bar goes up. So uh, you were, at Bill Farrell, I was at the Life You Open, so I saw a bunch of your your, your boys. Um, so, like, big shout to Omi Acosta and Quentin Haynes and uh, Cole and the rest of that crew. Um, I'm sure it's very much like Granby. Like, I watched these dudes literally move, like, 12 mats and set everything up, and it, it reminded me. I don't know if I'm going to call them the good old days, but the old days, you know? Um there's parts of coaching I genuinely miss, really. And there's parts of coaching I'm like, I don't miss that so much. And uh, herding cats to, to move mats. But those kids were actually on it. They set it up. Uh, I got to work with Nate again, Staticker, on the play-by-play. So shout out to him. He did a great job. Shout out to Flo for getting us on the air. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Grandview wrestled Iowa State at Humboldt which is Kevin Dresser's hometown. You were on your way back. Uh, the duel was the duel result was not competitive. There were some com- competitive matches, but Iowa State ended up, getting, ended up getting all of them. Just from a perspective, you have a different perspective because you're not a fan of that meet. You know, you were an Iowa State alum and a Grandview staff member. If you can take well, don't take the emotions out of it. How cool is it to see those programs in a gym that it looked like clearly the fire marshal should have been called? <laughs> you know, like, I say that in the best possible way. Like, that's awesome. 
And from a coaching perspective, you know, your kids were in a, an environment that frankly are probably more nerve wracking than nationals, you know, because it's Iowa state, it's in Iowa, they're on top of you. Like just what are your, some of your takeaways from that? Well, I think from the standpoint, from Iowa state's perspective, like dresser doing that and then also kicking that off with Tony Erslin, which was from Humboldt as well. So the head coach at Purdue, right. You know, it's so cool to see like where wrestling has been taken now, like dressers taking it back to his alma mater high school, his alumni status there. You know, we've gotten a chance to see, you know, like the bout at the ballpark, you know, Arizona state has wrestled inside theirs. I believe Missouri wrestled on their baseball diamond as well. And we've wrestled, um, you know, same thing for North Carolina, and then also some of their, you know, military things where they wrestled like on four, you know, four. Yeah, that was, as a guy like that, I love that. Yeah. So I think with wrestling, it's basically so cool to give the athletes that kind of like, you know, intense environment, not to say that like, you know, when you get inside the arenas, it's not intense because trust me, like when you wrestled inside Gallagher or Carver or, you know, Grace Hall or, or Coliseum. Yeah. You know, like, all of those type of places, right? You all, all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is, you know, I'm welcome to the big show, right? Yeah. So, but also to take that in the inverse and take that into like a local high school gym, your mat side, you got rowdy fans, you got the benches on each side. It's really cool for the athletes to participate in something along those lines. And I think that giving the fan experience that intensity too, like resonates and then they get hyped up and, so I'm super excited about what Iowa State is doing in that regard because then they can, you know, bring other teams in. Um, yeah. As far as, you know, the duel itself, you know, once again, Iowa State has, I, I mean, for the most part of the nation has really probably surprised some people with some of the wrestling that they've been able to achieve early in the season. You know, like basically knocking off a whole bunch of people with at Wisconsin, you know, you know like – you know, so once again, I think also the the evolution of some of those younger athletes too, making those big strides, and then also the transfers. Um, you know, uh, Shiler from Buffalo transferring in, looking probably the best that he's ever looked in his career, in my opinion. He's jumped you know, Um, you know, and also the evolution of younger um, at 197. His, you know, he's I think he's raised his game even from last year, which is kind of scary to think about. So. Um, yeah, super, um, I would say disappointing on the scoreboard when it came to the team result, but there was some really great matches. I even saw on Twitter and Instagram, the scramble between Giovanni Bonilla and crazier is like almost gone viral. It's, it's huge. Yeah. Like there's so many that's people there. 45 second one where they ended up neutral out of bounds right in front of Grant Henderson, right? Correct. Okay. I saw that. So first of all, shout out to, to, to grant part two and yeah just i'll tell you what that's fun to watch just once as a fan but if you watch that four or five times as a coach and it's the whole concept of high head far ankle hip heist you know keep you know and don't give up right like there's positions there you don't need to give up because even if you get caught it's only two um your kid did a great leg pass where it looked like the Iowa State kid had him sort of dead to rights and came out the back door and comes back up and it's almost one of those ones that coach where you're like man I wish we got it but it, we probably neutral is where it should end up fairly because they both wrestled their fannies off in that situation 
Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I just pulled it up here. Like, also, big shout out to Tony Hager and IA Wrestle for the stream. And then also doing, you know, having some of the play-by-play as well with um, uh, Mike. Um, but it's it's got like, you know, like almost 250 retweets, you know, That's like awesome. almost, almost 100 quoted things. And like just seeing the people that are basically discussing high-level wrestling like that. And once again, we're using this as a catalyst to say that like, hey, when you watch film or you watch high-level wrestling in those intense environments, like that's wrestlers are built different. We'll just say that. Well, I think it's clearly if, if you're a coach and you lose even one match, you're disappointed. So I know Nick and the crew are disappointed at the overall results. But if there's a silver lining, it's a couple things. One, if you had any kids in your room that were overly arrogant, that's not a problem anymore. And number two is like a scramble like that, that the average fan will watch. They might recognize the Iowa State singlet. They're probably not the average, just Joe Q public's not going to know who Grandview is. And for you guys to be in that video is great. Like for me at the Olympic trials, there was that match with both sides, you know, the winning guy thought he was losing and the losing guy thought he was winning. And one of my friends is a referee, Kyle Mankiewicz, sends me a month later, sends me a TikTok video. And I wouldn't know how to set up TikTok if my life depended on it. But it was 1.9 million views of me, of my commentary, like, hey, these guys both got it wrong. And so sometimes you get escalated or elevated just doing what you're doing. And it doesn't, it's not intentional, but your kid fought like crazy. So did the other kid. It looked I, three times I thought both sides were going to score. <laughs> and then I figured, well, this is a video probably nobody scores or they wouldn't be posting it. But it was super fun to watch. And, you know, I know your guys – I want to say this. As a guy that coached at junior college, I want to give a shout to Iowa State for, for dueling you guys because a lot of those schools won't. They won't wrestle a non-Division one school in an environment like that. So shout out to Dresser for doing it. You know, and his kids came ready to wrestle. So it was good. No, it's really cool. And I think also from a Jason Bryant perspective, big shout out to JB um, with his wrestling statistical data is now with that loss, the consecutive dual meet streak ended at 116 consecutive collegiate duels won for Grandview. So once again, Iowa State put it all on the line. Grandview put it all on the line out there. And then also, to your point, I mean, these, you know, I saw, I think I saw an article or a quote from Dresser is like, you know, like, hey, we were favored at all 10 weights. Like, we had to have this type of environment for our kids to realize, like, hey, you got a big target on your back. You know, this is what, this is, so it was a really cool coaching moment to to hear from, but it was also something that, like, um, as a as a fan of just wrestling in general you gotta you gotta love the ability of like putting it out on the line for your team like hey we, we can we come to scrap today well you mentioned something and i think i should shout out the other side shout out to nick for putting that 116 consecutive winning streak dual meets on the line because nick's a really smart guy he knew he was an underdog 10 out of 10 and you got to win five really to have any chance and then not get bonus. So, I mean, he probably knew going in realistically the, the winning streak is over. You don't say that out loud, but like mentally, if you had to put 20 bucks on either side of it, you're going to put it on it on not winning the duel. And he didn't care. It's like, look, this is a chance for our kids to get 
better. This is a chance to grow our program. So shout to both sides. Shout to Nick for putting that that streak on the line. Shout to Dresser for wrestling you guys in that environment. And I'm sure your kids will benefit from it. And I'm sure their kids will benefit from it because they wrestle Iowa in what shapes up to be a pretty interesting dual meet, especially if Spencer doesn't wrestle, which we'll get to. So um, we'll talk We'll talk about that. Speaking of interesting dual meets, Arizona State Mizzou. Okay. So first of all, I try not to criticize anyone. I get criticized for not criticizing people enough, but it's because I've coached and tried to run events and stuff doesn't always go right and your guys lose. I feel terrible for Arizona State. They got to get out of that Pac-12 network relationship because people couldn't watch it, and the duel was unbelievable. So for people that don't know, Arizona State won the duel. They won it six matches to four, which matters because Mizzou got bonus at 57, 65, and 74, and the duel could have been bigger for Arizona State. Teamer would have been favored over JQs, like, pretty significantly, probably like by five points. But Arizona State won all the toss-ups. So Figueroa beats certain late. McGee has kind of a weirdly close match with Connor Brown. Vasquez beats Hart late. Parco beats Mahler late. So they're up 12-0. Jake Hughes gets a tech fall or a major tech fall. Uh, O'Toole gets a major tech fall, and then at 74, Mizzou gets another bonus win. So it's now it's like 14-12 Missouri. Then the other flip-flop match or coin flip match is Montalvo and Harmon. And I was kind of surprised Mizzou wrestled Harmon because Harmon had just lost to Colton Hawks that Saturday before at the Staley tournament because I we were on the mic for it. Montalvo wins that close one. So now it's 15-14. So now, even if Rocky Elam majors Norfleet, which wouldn't be easy, and uh, Colton Schultz were to win and it was 18-18, first criteria, six matches to four. Rocky wins by decision. Schultz wins by major, so it's 19-17. Second biggest crowd ever at Arizona State. Your boy got to be at the first biggest crowd when they upset Penn State. So Arizona State wrestles pretty well when they get in front of big home crowds, apparently. Because <laughs> they were not favored to win either duel. The depth of Arizona State, especially like plugging in a Figs and winning without teamers, pretty impressive. They're, they've been a trophy team the last two years, GT. I mean, that's a huge win for that program. Yeah, it's 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 exciting to see them just basically continue to like raise their, I, I don't even know, like level because it's like, you know, when all, with some of those guys out of the lineup, like teamer and you know, like that's a that's a guy that's yeah guaranteed points for you, right? So it's like, yeah. I mean, when you're an Arizona State fan, you you think that that's like, hey, guaranteed points. Like he's a stud. I know that he has the ability to basically shut out anybody at any time, type situation. And it's like they're still pulling out great wins against extremely talented Missouri team. So, in which case, I think you know Brian Smith has a group that you know they're looking for a trophy too this year. Yeah, we haven't had a chance to do our team picks, but before that duel, I would I had Missouri in my top four. I mean, they have that team they always have where a ton of guys will be in that round of 12, and it's like like Certain's around a 12 guy, Hart's around a 12 guy. I think Mahler's an All-American. JQ's hopefully gets to that round of 12. O'Toole's obviously an All-American. Uh, 
Mako is a round of 12 guy, you know, ranked in there. Uh, they got to figure out 84. They have good problems. They have three really good kids. And then Rocky's an All-American. And when I say he's an All-American, he's been an All-American. And then Elam's been in the round of 12 three times. So they could have, a, for them, a terrible tournament where they place Mahler, O'Toole, Rocky, or they could have a fantastic tournament and place those three guys. O'Toole wins it again. Mahler, who knows what's – we'll talk about 149. But, I mean, <laughs> Parco might be the number one seed. We were, we, we were going through, but we'll get to that in a minute. But they could they could place at 25. They could place at 41. They right. could place at 57. They can place at 74. They they might – and they could definitely place at heavyweight. You play seven guys and plug one in the finals, you're in the top four. I mean, that's going to happen. That's crazy. So, but they could have three. And that's, that's, you know, so, but that duel was crazy. Cornell, Wisconsin, I don't know if anybody, uh, probably nobody in the wrestling world is following this, but Yanni Diakamahalas lost this weekend. <laughs> hey, I, I saw, I saw it on Twitter while I was at, uh, at the Bill Farrell. And I'm like, I was sitting there right next to like, some guys and like Alex Derringer, Jordan Burroughs, like some of these other guys that were like, I was like, Hey, look at this. They're like, no way. I'm like, I feel like there might've been a word between no and way that they said that well, you've edited out. And there was another <laughs> gentleman that was like, cause it was, I believe it was on ESPN. Oh, it was on the bottom line of ESPN. No. So like, no, no, no. Like the, the stream of the Oh, oh okay. All right. Yeah. So then like all of a sudden, he like scrolls down on his ESPN app and he's like, Oh, it's all the way at the bottom. Like he pulled it up immediately. He's like, I got to watch what happened. I was like, Hey man, here's the results. It's, it's a done deal. He's like, no, I got to watch it. So like literally stopped watching the international competition. that was like five feet in front of him on his phone was like, no, I'm watching the Yanni match right now. Yeah. So I was at the life you open and Tony Ramos was there coaching the red shirts. He goes, Mercatani, uh, good luck figuring out the rankings this week. I go, we're in a good position now. We just talk about everybody else's rankings. Why? He goes, Yanni lost. I go, sure. As I, I go, sure. Like, you don't like, I just thought he was messing with me. He goes, he lost to Gomez nine to three. I said, come on. He goes, he lost to Gomez night and just like walked away, you know, like. <laughs> so for people that didn't see the match, it was not a fluke. Okay. Gomez got three takedowns, one feet to back from body lock and an escape. Yanni got three escapes. Um, I want to talk about the good part of Yanni. Several people posted this, that, you know, he, he didn't throw his headgear, didn't throw his anklets put his gear on, came back out, supported the rest of his team, signed autographs afterwards. I think sometimes we get caught up so much in the winning and losing. And, and I'm sure it was shocking to Yanni. It's only second loss of his career in college. I think every Mark and I were talking about our confidence picks for the season. Like if you had to pick one guy to win nationals and with Spencer Lee's health in the air and Gable Stevenson's status up in the air, like Yanni was probably our number one, like most confident. So his character, you know, was was on display. So I, I don't I don't want to bypass that. In terms of the match, it's super interesting because we watched Nero Johnson convincingly beat Gomez. 
And then Gomez convincingly beats Yanni. I mean, you're you're a guy that loves technique and everything else. What you know, what did, what are your takeaways from that? I think going back to like how professional Yanni was about, you know, basically, you know, like his second career loss, like basically, you know, brought came back out and, you know, did interviews, talked to everybody. I think I think I had heard him say like he's like, "Hey, I just got to get back to work. I got to get better." And it was like what a frame of mind for an athlete to, you know, basically have, you know, a substantial loss in his career, meaning his second in while in college and just, you know, go about his business and just say, Hey, listen, I got to get better. But, you know, as far as the technical aspect of that match, I mean, we could, we could spend an entire pod on just, you know, the tactics of like that match and how it actually looked and, you know, like what Yanni was doing and how Gomez was able to, basically finished the shots on Yanni that like were like almost without scramble, you know, so it was like clean finishes, you know, coming up to the body lock, getting that. And then, you know, basically proceeded to continue, continue to wrestle and didn't necessarily put it up on like, Hey, I'm gonna put the skates on now. I'm up by four, like work the edge. Like those, those boys just like went toe to toe and continued to scrap. So it wasn't like a fluke match. It was just a great wrestling match between two extremely high level wrestlers. It's yeah. um, Gomez's favorite line scared money don't make money. He said he woke up feeling dangerous that morning. Um, that stuff's good for wrestling, right? Like, those are stories that get people involved. Uh, the other thing is, Gomez scored at least two different ways he scored to the body and he scored on a couple re attacks. I was really impressed with how he beat the splits because Yanni's so good in those splits and. So I think if people are interested in watching how do you beat the splits, that's a film, you know, or or, or technique worth watching. So I'm going to go to Flo's uh, rankings here because I was trying to look at this last night and we didn't – and they weren't up yet. So this is what they said. They go, here's the question of the week. Who takes the top spot at 149? We chose to go with Yanni, three-time NCAA champ. Defeated Gomez twice last year. So it's body of work. So yeah. makes it even more clear to keep Yanni at one is Gomez's loss is to Panero Johnson two weeks ago. Well, Johnson is 4-0. Last year he lost to, and they named these people. Um, had Gomez not suffered that loss, he'd probably be number one, but Yanni stays. There's a case for Jonathan Milner. He's 10-0 and was the number two ranked wrestler last week. Milner closed out last year by losing to Sasso, a wrestler that Gomez and Yanni both beat. Doug Zaff beat Caleb Henson, and Caleb Henson had beat Sammy Sasso. So I'm probably going to miss a couple of these, but let me just go through this. Yanni has lost to Gomez. I'm just going through this in their order. Gomez has lost to Pinero Johnson. Jonathan Milner's undefeated. Parco is undefeated and beat Brock Mahler. Sasso has lost to Caleb Henson. Max Murin is undefeated, but I don't think he's ever All-American. Yaya is undefeated. I don't even know if he's wrestled this year. I don't think I've seen a result for him. And was an All-American two years ago. Mahler redshirted last year, was an All-American the year before a couple times, but lost to Parco. Nero Johnson is undefeated and beat Gomez. And Caleb Henson beat Sasso and just lost to Doug Saff. So it, this is where I, I, I miss first name Mark here because we, we were texting each other 
let me say this first of all 149 is a very interesting weight we were looking at all the a bunch of these guys are going to hit each other like in duels or at the scuffle or at the cliff keen uh vegas tournament so it's not like Jonathan Milner doesn't have a good schedule the rest of the way or that uh, Parco doesn't have a good turn, uh, schedule the rest of the way because those are the guys that are sort of isolated in conferences where there's not an, a bunch of other top five, six guys in their conference. There's nobody else in the Pac-12 or in the SOCON that's nails. But they've got a bunch of non-conference matches, so this will likely sort itself out. So this is a really interesting thing. I, I, I hear the argument for Yanni at one. But there's an argument for Panero Johnson at number one. There's an argument for Jonathan Milner at number one. And there's an argument for Parco at number one. And it really just becomes how much does last year get further and further away in the rearview mirror? And how strong is your body of work? Like Yanni has an unbelievable body of work. So they basically gave him a mulligan. I mean, that's what they did. And we've done that before, too. Like, you know, I mean, it happens. Like, Grandview is going to be ranked number one in NAI last week just because they lost a D1 duel doesn't to a really good team doesn't change anything. I know you don't do rankings, but, I mean, would you have Yanni at one or would you have one of those other three guys at one? Well, I think, if, once again, I'm new to the ranking system. Also, disclaimer in general – I haven't, I'm not a, I'm not a ranking guy. You're not a nerd like me and Mark. Right. <laughs> you got I mean, cool hair and you travel. It's okay. Right, exactly. You got a lot, you got, you got a lot more tactical advantage on this type of conversation. But I mean, I also think that like sometimes let's say, let's say maybe like in other sports or something like that, maybe a number one that suffers a loss doesn't necessarily move. Football is probably the best one to compare it to, right? Because we all follow the football rankings, right? Right. And it's who you lose to, a lot of it. And the other thing that we talk about is losing late in the year hurts you in football way more than earlier in the year. Like if two teams finish 11-1 and and one team – like Michigan's going to play Ohio State Saturday, and one of those teams is probably out of the college football playoff because – but they'll be 11-1. and And like a USC that lost earlier in the year could sneak in because they'd be a conference champion. So there's a bunch of stuff like that. Yep. Let me rephrase it another way. If I had to bet on somebody to win 49, I'm still betting on Yanni. I think I don't think that's a huge I, I would assume you agree with that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that, right? So it's like um I mean, okay, so back to back to that original, like who would I put there? I would probably say Milner. Because he was number two, if I were to then de- dethrone Yanni from the number one spot, is and I think Milner did. He just won. I think it was like one of the opens this past weekend. What was a star-studded weight class and wrestled really well. And um, Keystone Classic. Yeah, Keystone Classic. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, like once again, th- there's no fault to Milner going eleven and zero, and then also, you know, like with Parko beating Mahler, like that's a huge win. But like, I don't necessarily. I mean. I wouldn't drop Yanni to like seven or eight or something ridiculous, but you know, I, I definitely think that Milner, if we were going to be, I would put Milner there before Parco just because of like the recent. Yeah. But once again, not a ranking guy, but I, I love to see the chaos. Yeah. 
So this is what I can tell you. And, and this is probably where as a coach, you've sat in plenty of seating meetings. The criteria for the national seating, or the yes, the seating, last year's body of work does not count at all. So there's certain criteria that don't come into play yet, like whether you're a conference champion or not. But if you assume like, okay, this person would be the conference champion because they're the best guy. Win loss record, winning percentage is a big part of it. And head to head is the biggest criteria of the formula. So it's probably Milner, Parco, Panero Johnson are your top three in some order. In some order. Then I think Gomez becomes four because the way it works is like, if my only loss is to you, once you're ranked, then my loss doesn't hurt me anymore. Then I think Yanni would be above or right after Gomez would be Yanni. And then I think maybe it's Mahler because his only loss was to Parco. And then the Sasso, Doug Zaff, <laughs> Caleb Henson thing's a mess too. And then Yaya and Muren haven't wrestled really either at all or anybody. But this is a weight that I thought we'd see a bunch of chaos at 2 through 12 and one wouldn't change. And I'm interested, you know, this is a lot. We, we're recording this on Tuesday to get it out before Thanksgiving so we don't have all the results and we haven't sorted out on uh, fantasygrade.com. And the results of this weekend are super light. There's hardly any meets this week. So we can kind of revisit this, but super interesting weight class and what happens there. So the other thing that's going on is the NWC All-Star Meet. So I'm going to see GT in a couple weeks. So we can uh, we can put wings or uh we can put uh the size of our fonts on our our uh on our phones on this <laughs> so, all right so here's what we got i'll read them off to you um you can pick first on the the odds and i'll pick first on the evens and we'll just write down if we disagree uh mckee and terrakina i'll take pat mckee i will as well lucas bird mcgee I'll take McGee. I'll take Bird. Okay, so that's a difference. All right. Uh, Andonian, Will Lawan. I'll take Andonian. I will as well. Cole Matthews, Alirez. I'm going to take Cole Matthews. I'll take Cole Matthews as well. All right, Kalani Corbett and Kimber. I'm going to go first here. I'm going to switch the order up because Kalani Corbett is Kevin Corbett's sister, and I coached him, so I'm taking Corbett. Yeah, I'll take Corbett as well. Okay. Uh, Elena and Jesse Lee. Take Elena. I will as well. All right. Sasso Gomez. Fireworks. Uh, I'm going to take Gomez. Just to want to see the world on fire, I'll take Sasso. <laughs> okay. Brooks Keckheisen. I'll take Brooksy, even though, like, I think this is probably the best match. I want to see this so much. I want to see these guys wrestle. These guys just come to come to scrap. I want to see that match, but I really want to see this next match. Like, we maybe we do an over-under on cradles, like just not if they get them, but locks. 
So I'm taking O'Toole over Hamidi, but man, like this, like what a great match, huh? Yeah. I, I yeah, I'm gonna take O'Toole as well. All right. Uh, can you help me pronounce this last name here? Watch Watch a Kuyu. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Uh, that's what I'm gonna go with for right now. I'll have to consult USA Wrestling, but if you're gonna be a smart aleck, you could have said Boyd. <laughs> Right. No. I mean, I'll take I'll take I'll, I'll take a Lara in that match, though. I will too. Uh, Peyton Pruce and Shilson. I was with the Life People, and I'm like, Shilson's legit. So um, I'll take Shilson. I'll take Peyton. Okay. All right. Okay. And then, all right. So this is interesting because David Carr, Quincy Mondays started at 57, but is this is like Carr Monday Part Nine, probably. Who you got? I'll take David Carr. Me too. Um, I feel like I have to take Rocky and you have to take Warner based on where we live. Is that correct? I mean, it's just a flat out, yeah, it has, has to happen. <laughs> okay, I'll take Rocky. Um, Cassiope Kirkfleet, who you got? Um, first name Big, last name Tone. <laughs> okay, I'll take Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> that gives us five different matches so somebody will win. And I, I have Starat. You know what? I'm going to take Makai. I'm going to take the upset. All right. I'll take Carter. Yeah, there you go. So it might be three and three. All right. So that's pretty awesome. Um, all right. We got a few minutes left. Um, it's, it's been a blessed year for me. I've been able to do a lot of things I wanted in wrestling. And uh, some things in my personal life have been really good. So I, But I spoke to Gary Abbott yesterday. I want to thank Gary for putting us on the air for supporting what we do. Uh, I want to thank all the people that wrestle. I mean, I like the coaches, the people that are kind. Um, I want to thank the Hall of Fame for putting putting me involved with their tournament. Um, you and Mark, it's, uh, it's fun to talk to you guys. You know, I talk to you guys pretty much every week, whether we are doing this or not, so it's fun to be on the air. And, uh, you know, I, I never forget, I'm probably literally – at my age, still riding my mom and dad's coattails. So I want to, I want to thank my mom and dad for being the people they are both as human beings and as uh, pillars in the wrestling community and, you know, allowing me to have the framework to start, not from zero where a lot of other people had to start. So um, I just want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And I'll, I'll give the last word to you. No, I couldn't, couldn't, um, said it better myself, buddy, you know, live a very blessed life, very fortunate to be able to do the things that I'm able to do. Um, I love and respect the wrestling community with the utmost passion. Um, we have some of the best fans, fan bases, people, coaches, athletes uh, in the entire sporting good or sports world. Just so, so, hey, happy Thanksgiving to everybody that's watching, listening. Um, everybody with USA Wrestling, thank you for the opportunity for us to be able to do what we do and to talk about the sport that we love. So um, couldn't be happier um, with how this year has progressed and um, really looking forward to continuing this and, and getting through the holidays here. But um, very blessed for the opportunity. I think on behalf of USA Wrestling, uh, I want to thank Nike, which is Grant. Shane and Eddie, uh, I don't think a lot of people know all the stuff you guys do. And a lot of stuff comes up at the last minute and a lot of stuff has to be changed. 
And uh, you have one of the best outlooks on life in terms of rolling with that. And uh, I respect that a lot about you, man. Cause like every day you get at least five curveballs, and I'm, I'm trying to be more flexible in my life. Um, a mutual friend of ours called me Larry David, David, the other day. <laughs> it's not altogether wrong. <laughs> so it's pretty apropos. Um, I'm trying to be more flexible. I'm trying to understand that sometimes the world just happens and it nobody, it's nobody's fault. But when you're surrounded by people that are good at that, even if they're younger than you, you still have to keep your eyes open and, and learn from them. And, and definitely want to thank Shane for all the support that he and has allowed you to support us with Missouri Border Brawl. And now we're taking it on the road. So I want to thank you guys for that. And I spoke to Mark and uh, I know definitely he's thankful for the fam. And, you know, I was with, got to be with him when his son got married this summer. So shout out to the Ostrander clan. And uh, Mark was a guy that worked tirelessly behind the scenes with no credit for years. Uh, to make sure that our rankings were as good, if not better than anybody's in the business and uh, gave up a lot of time for no notoriety and no money. So um, Mark's one of the real dudes. So I want to thank him as well. So hopefully next week we'll be talking about what flavor wings I'm getting when I see you or what wings I'm buying you, one or the other. <laughs> and, uh, for sure. For sure. So for GT, for Mark, who's absent, I'm David. Thank you guys for watching and listening. See you all soon. Happy Thanksgiving.